Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director at Hotel Analyst, to discuss three things that have caught our eye from the last week or so in the news of around in and around the hotel investment sector. Uh, the first topic we're going to talk about this week is uh, what's gone on at Expedia where the CEO Mark Ockerstrom and the CFO Alan Pickerel have both resigned. A uh, bit of a gap being left and uh, the chairman is going to look for somebody new to replace them as he declares that uh, their strategy for the last few months wasn't the right one for the future of Expedia. Um, this kind of points up some of the challenges that these OTAs are facing right at the moment uh, as uh, the book direct campaigns from the, from the brands seems to have uh, headed off their inexorable growth into an, into taking more and more market share in the hotel space. So, um, Andrew, what do you reckon Expedia does next? Mm, well, just uh, um, on this um, book direct business, I'm not so sure that it's actually that that's did for the OTAs. I, th- I think it's more um, Google having a play with its algorithms, I think, and making it a bit tougher mm-hmm. for them. I think that's yeah. more... And I mean, basically, Google have looked at it and said, look, we're, you know, the share... This is a point we made um, a few weeks ago, actually, in in, in Hotel Analyst, um, but it's Google wants a, a bigger share of, of the bit of the travel market it's touching um it's sort of around the 15 percent you know of the the market that goes through google um it gets about 15 percent it wants more um and it's obviously it can pin them back a little bit and take a bigger slice i don't think google's going to start becoming an ota or anything like that but it it definitely wants to make more money out of the ota business but um and i think this this orchestrom departure is a reflection of that there's an is an issue of execution here as well expedia had always had this policy of having sort of separate units you know the the hotels.com bit had been separate from the the hot wire bit separate from the expedia um core brand bit and all of that stuff and then the idea was that they're sort of slightly or were rivals uh, competing against each other and Ockerstrom tried to stop all that and go back to uh, go go towards a more holistic approach where they're all working as one company now Barry Diller the chairman and um, larger shareholder didn't like that I don't think um, and he certainly didn't like the um, the fall in or the, the rather slow sales growth that they had um, um, and the markets didn't like it and that that led to a 20% shave off of Expedia share price in one day when they announced their Q3. So hence, you know, Orchestron was for the chop. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's a broader point coming out here, and this is something we've, again, we've banged on about on this podcast and within the pages of Hotel Analyst. And this is that um, OTAs are essentially retailers of accommodation and hotel brand companies are really product branders. It's kind of Walmart versus Kellogg's or Tesco versus Weetabix is the analogy here. And I think the clearer way of thinking of this is is, is probably like a, the, um, a sportswear firm like Nike. And now Nike sells most of its stuff, about 70% through wholesalers, but it also is intent on growing its direct business and it wants to grow its direct business to maintain control of its brand and to increase its profitability now i think the challenge for uh hoteliers trying to adopt this approach is that 
none of them have anything close to the brand recognition and brand strength of Nike. And I think that's a real challenge for them. So I think the far better way forward is to think of OTAs as retail partners and to work with them. And, you know, I, th I think... We, again, we've said this before, but I think it's the opportunity now is to jump in and forge meaningful partnerships with, with, with the OTAs. And I think Marit has done that with its deal with Expedia, particularly in terms of wholesaling, but also driving down the commission rates. And frankly, when it's as cheap to get a, a room booking uh, via an OTA as it is to try and drive direct, why? You know why does it really matter? You, you've got to be omni-channel and uh, be sort of neutral on it, and just go for what makes the most sense. I think it's important hotel brand companies continue to invest in their their websites, but you know they're still pretty rubbish. I mean, you know, if I look at um, you know if I look at any of the global majors and try and book a room, it's a lot tougher experience than if I go on to a um, you know either Booking Holdings or Expedia. I think I'd agree you know, with I, you there, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and you know it's it's very difficult, you know, as we get into the, you know, we get voice and we get all of this other stuff. It's going to be very tough, I think, for hoteliers to to be the best retail channel. I think they can drive the the, the, the most important customers, you know, direct. Um, but the wider piece, the people are only booking a few nights a year. You know, they should actually just work with the retailers um, and, 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 you know, make the most of those other channels. Um, they're, they're far better at reaching uh, punters than um, than the hotel brands are. Um, so I, th I think this is where it's gone. Now, uh, one other thing, I think I, I make a, a remark on this in Hotel Analyst Perspective that comes out um, tomorrow. Um, and um, in that, I talk about, you know, well, you know, where will the OTAs go? Because actually, this is a tough time for them. They are seeing their margins squeezed. I mean, they've got pretty fat margins, or historically they've had fat margins, so they could do with a bit of squeezing. But it does challenge them, and I think... Ironically, I think the one that's going to be most challenged is booking holdings because Expedia has a kind of a full service agency offer in terms of you can go to Expedia and it does the airline, it does the rental car, it does your hotel room, it does the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, booking is only just getting into that. Now, booking strength versus Expedia is that more people are coming to Booking's website direct rather than via Google. Um, um, but nonetheless, I, I think in the medium to longer term, I think there is a strategic disadvantage for booking. I never recognised that. And Glenn Fogel, the CEO, has made, has made a lot of noise in the last few months about trying to evolve a, um, a, an equivalent to a full service kind of offer in terms of these, the trip. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think they're going to struggle a bit to do that. And my prediction is that to find growth, I think booking is going to launch a hotel brand. Ooh. I think it's going to have, like, if you like, like an only variant um, I reckon that could well come out next year who knows I may be completely wrong um, there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't want to get involved and get in their hands dirty with that but given the absence of other growth options I think it's quite likely and I don't see Expedia doing it I think Expedia is going down the partnership route mm -hmm. but I can see booking doing it right okay well you heard it here first um, next we're going to talk about um, some other residential alternative niches for investors um, and um, particularly across uh, built to rent 
and uh, elder living as uh, as investors it appears from some figures that Knight Frank have put together investors are spreading across from uh, got, having got comfortable with student accommodation they're now looking at other forms of uh, buildings with beds to put their money into um, and uh, although the student accommodation market is in many of the Western European markets maturing there looks to be good reasons why other uh, sub sub markets or niches such as uh, build to rent will certainly be set for substantial increase in business over the next few years. Andrew, what was your takeaway from looking over these these numbers? Mm. I, I think one of my takeaways is there's a lot of ways to skin the cat of the if, if the cat is the operational real estate market. Everybody seems to have a different definition and of what it wants to put into yeah. <laughs> into it. Um, so Knight Frank has called the investable bit of residential residential alternatives, and this embraces student accommodation, build to rent, and senior living. Um, clearly a subset of the operational real estate market. It's quite interesting actually because you, you look at the resi market and it's huge in the UK. It's worth something like £7 trillion as, as a monster but the, the investable bit in terms of from an institutional perspective is, is, is still quite small. Um, it's not dissimilar to the wider hospitality sector in, in that you know I've spent my career writing about it but it, it's a real struggle despite the size of the overall industry because it's so fragmented and in the hands largely of what the Americans call mom and pops and owner operators it just doesn't figure on on the on the agenda of most um, investors and on you know most investor publications as a result um, that is changing um, and Knight Frank has some interesting figures about the growth and this this trio of um, sectors it's lumped together in um, residential alternatives and pretty chunky um, fast-paced growth and what's interesting if you compare it to the smallest of the so the big three commercial property sectors are offices retail and industrial um, so we're just about already in this residential alternatives um, um, as big as the smallest of those three um, established sectors industrial and Knight Frank said it's worth around 69 billion the um, industrial investable bit of industrial um, and the equivalent numbers um, for the, the resi uh, alternatives thing is 51 billion market in terms of student accommodation 31 billion market uh, in in terms of the PRS piece the private rental sector which is investable and a very small but fast growing senior living bit at 1.3 billion at the moment which is investable um, set for very heady growth however and in fact what is, is interesting here um, that that middle one um the prs bit which would encompass stuff like co-living um that's to grow to be bigger than um student accommodation up by 2025 up to 75 billion so it's pretty heady growth there. it's pretty exciting times it's a very interesting time to be looking at this mm. And now we're going to head on to have a look at uh, another hotel story, and that's uh, what Accor's been up to. And it's always great when you prepare a story about uh, an organisation and then they do two or three things to absolutely reinforce the fact that you were in the right place. So we we've, we had a look at Accor over the last week or so, and then just in the last few hours, they have come up with even more deals to, um, to confirm what we were already thinking about them, which was that uh, here is a company that has 
uh, completed a swathe of disposals uh, and they are looking like they are much more asset light than they were. They've most recently got rid of their Polish assets uh, under the uh, Orbis brand and uh, done a, another massive sale and management deal covering a load of move and pick hotels across Germany, Switzerland and the Netherlands and that follows the disposal of half of their stake in the Chinese group Huazou uh, and a number of other things which leaves them uh, now they're declaring themselves asset light. So, Andrew, just like IHG, isn't it? Yeah, well, and and Hilton and Marriott, um, you know, they they are all fee income chasing groups now. Uh, there's a couple. There's good and bad. Um, you could say in terms of Accor. I mean, it's good bits um, relative to its three big rivals. Um, if you look at Marriott, Hilton, IHG as the as the big global major rivals, all heading towards the million rooms or already over the million rooms mark. In the case of Marriott. Um, and uh, it, it, w w the strength of Accor, um, one of its key differentiators, it sees, is its focus on management and its strength outside the US and its strength in emerging markets. And that's undoubtedly true. And uh, um, if you look at I Ibis, it's a market leader in about 60 countries globally wow. uh, it, it yeah it has it has real real strength its weakness is however are that it, d it doesn't have much exposure to the north american market which is very important um, and also uh, its whole loyalty scheme it's been a late entrant to loyalty schemes and it's accor live limitless um is is still very much in a, you know it's a bit of a work in progress its competitors <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it, it, interesting. It's just announced um, a new deal with AEG, which is this sports and music and sort of venues and um, and um, um, hosts various festivals and events and stuff like that. Um, and um, all members, Accor Live Limitless members, can spend their points. The 57 million members can spend their points on these AEG um, events now, um, which is a good good idea and the whole idea is to try and make all part of um, everyday life because you know you, you're going to stay you know the average is that the average customer average member is staying only a few nights a year and you know you, the idea is to love and touch customers a lot more frequently um, through this and it, it kind of makes sense uh, it's challenging I think um, it's, it's not easy but uh, it, you know um, we'll see I mean given the market dominance we just mentioned in terms of ibis I, th I think it has opportunity to do that well it sounds like um, a kind of more interesting uh, way to redeem points than having to having to save up thousands to, to get a free night somewhere yeah i mean to be fair you know the others are playing this mm -hmm. game too yeah um, marriage so, are doing gigs you know, now aren't they and various other things yeah 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 exactly they're 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 all at it in one way or t'other um um I, I think i think this 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 push here, I mean, Accor is is super keen to to catch up, and they, they seem to be the most aggressive in this um, so far. Merit aren't far behind, um, um, but we'll, we'll see. I think I think there is a there is a challenge. I mean, I, again, I think what what's going to happen is Accor is going to reinforce itself in the ex North American mm. market, and there is this thing, you know, how does Accor crack the 
the North American market? What does it do? I mean, one thing that comes through and is made quite clear from that flurry of announcements from Accor in the past few days is that it's handing back money to shareholders. It's a mm. billion euro buyback. Um, it, it's off the agenda is, is major acquisitions. It's been through a bit of an acquisition spree and the underperformance of Accor's share price has made clear, I think, that um, shareholders weren't super thrilled with it. And that message has been received and understood by the Accor board and that they ain't going to be doing any more big deals now. Um, is there another big deal in the offing, however? Um, potentially. I mean, Accor, IHG, Hyatt, what kind of combination can you think <laughs> of between them? I mean, it, it, it's it's challenging. There's no mm. question it's challenging. I mean, the you know the you know Paris listed, London listed, and um, New York listed. So it, it's how do you pull this together? But uh, it, historically, Hyatt's not been in play um, because of the Pritzker family's ownership. But it does seem that Goldman Sachs now um, has pulled that together a bit more. That and maybe you know with the right offer that that they could be tempted to leap on that but how you pay for that if you're Accor or if you're um, IHG is another matter because the Pritzker's probably won't the Pritzker family probably won't want a bunch of you know IHG paper or Accor paper so how you structure that it remains to be seen but I think there's an obvious deal to be done um, there I mean the, the, maybe the cleanest one would be the IHG and um, mm. Accor piece which would give you know Accor that exposure in North America the, the Holiday Inn um, but then you know and, and give them almost complete dominance in that economy and um, um, limited service mid-scale area uh, globally it would be a very strong position uh, who knows I don't know there's a bunch of stuff you could you could have fun with um, trying to put together I think there's problems with all of those potential deals but it, it does the mood music I hear repeatedly is that there's one more big deal out there um, after we've seen the Starwood Marriott um, merger there's at least one more big deal there so um, where the 2020 is going to be the Ooh. year for it <laughs> okay well and on that happy note we'll say goodbye we're uh, we're taking a, a seasonal break so we'll be back in the new year um, we hope you enjoy the uh, festive season yourselves and we'll be back soon bye for now